Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, especially glad to have you. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to introduce myself to you as you came in this morning. I hope you'll make time before you leave um, to stop by and introduce yourself to me. I'd love to hear how God led you to our church. And um, if you're looking for a church home, um, I, I really hope that you'll consider making Solid Rock your church home. Uh, not because this is a perfect place, but because this is a place where broken people gather on a weekly basis to worship the immovable and changeable God and experience this redemptive work that he's doing in our lives. And we're excited to have more people be a part of that redemptive work. And so if that's you, we invite you to consider making Solid Rock your home. Let us know how we can serve you and get you connected here. Um, a couple things. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning. 1 Corinthians 6, if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or on your phones, your tablets, or your phones that look like tablets, however you get to God's Word, get there. Uh, as you do that, just a, a quick spotlight. We've been, uh, for the last few months, stopping once a month to spotlight one of our team ministries to bring awareness of the opportunities to serve. Um, some of you are still looking for areas and ways to get connected, so today I'd like to just tell you a little bit about our building prep team. Um, our building prep team. Uh, is led by Greg Berryhill. Greg and his wife Annie faithfully serve week in, week out, and there's a team of volunteers who help them. Uh, and the building prep team is basically responsible for getting our campus ready for Sunday mornings. And so um, they come in on Thursday evenings while the worship team is uh, rehearsing, uh, oftentimes with their little kiddos in tow. Uh, volunteers will come in on Thursday night, get all the chairs straightened out, make sure all the the handouts are ready to go, pens are in the chairs, Bibles are under the seats, trash is picked up, uh, the campus is ready. And so um, I want to tell you about this team because this might be an area for you to serve. If you're one of those people who doesn't like the spotlight and the stage, but you still want to serve, um, this would be a great opportunity for you. Um, you can do this during the week. Like I said, Thursday evenings is when most of this happens. Um, and so if you're interested in that, um, you can contact us, let us know that, or if you know Greg Berryhill personally, you can let him know, and he'll be happy to get you on the rotation for serving with building prep. Um, I just know personally that um, this, this team has really, really been a blessing to me. Um, I can remember, you know, nine years ago, uh, coming into church on a Sunday morning, if something wasn't ready and it wasn't done, uh, it was basically up to myself and a few others to, to make it happen. And I'll tell you, since this team started, um, I haven't even thought twice about the campus being ready. They do such a great job um, that uh, those of us who come in and, and ready to teach and lead music, we just come in and, and focus on what God's called us to do, knowing that everything is ready to go. This might be you. If you're interested, let us know. We'd love to get you connected on the building prep team. Or if you're not interested, join me in letting Greg and the team know how much you appreciate them putting everything together for us on Sunday mornings. All right, so we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, we're continuing in our sermon series entitled The Everyday Gospel. Um, it's so important for us to understand what we mean by that. Um, what we don't mean is that we have an everyday, ordinary gospel that we just throw around uh, in a flippant manner. What we mean is we have an extraordinary gospel, this, this amazing, life-changing, life-transforming news that Jesus loves us and has made a way for us to be saved and forgiven. That, that what we're talking about is how does that apply to everyday life? So the way we've introed the sermon series every week, we'll do it again today, is this. We're looking at how the king of all kings, the creator of the universe, stepped into the world to take on flesh, to suffer, to die, to live a righteous life in our behalf, to resurrect from the grave, ascend back to the Father, where he awaits now patiently for his time to return and gather his bride, his church, all who have believed to himself. That is the gospel. 
And we're looking at how does that gospel apply to everyday practical life. See, the temptation for Christians, especially in America, is to compartmentalize. Right? We've got our church compartment. Sunday morning, we pull it off the shelf. We open it. We get out our church clothes. We get out our church lingo. We get out our church face. And for the next three or four hours, we're good church folk. And we go home. We put our church clothes up. We put on our comfy clothes. And then we become something else. And then we go to work on Monday morning. And we put on a different set of clothes and a different look on our face and a different heart attitude. And we, we tend to compartmentalize, don't we? And we're looking at how, how the gospel transcends all of those norms and, and, and applies to everyday life. We've looked at how it applies to our identity, how it applies to our marriages, how it applies to our parenting, how it applies to the way we manage time. And today, we're going to talk about how the gospel applies to the way you steward your physical body. Now, this is the first time I've ever preached on this, though the Bible has a lot to say. This topic hasn't come up a whole lot here in Solid Rock Life. But it's a topic worthy of exploring, isn't it? Now, like we saw with work last week, we talked about work and how there's this pendulum swing between idol worship when it comes to work. On one hand, there's this bare minimal heart attitude that some of us have towards work. It's the necessary evil of life. We go, we give just enough not to get fired to draw our paycheck and then come home and do real life. Right? It's the bare minimal perspective. But then the pendulum swings the other way to this other idol, this idol of performance and achievement and this thing we call the workaholic who finds his or her identity wrapped up in what they do and they don't feel successful. They don't feel valued unless they're climbing the ladder. They're getting the attaboys on the back. And, and the pendulum swings to this performance-driven idol as well. And we looked at last week how the gospel shows us that work was something good created by God a means by which we receive his good provisions in life. And so the same thing is going to be true this week as we look at the gospel's application to our physical health. Now, let's talk about the pendulum swing. On one hand, there is this, this, this kind of Christian understanding of the physical body being purely evil. That right, So our temptations derive most often from the cravings of our physical body and our flesh. So our tendency is to, is to think that the physical body is somehow disconnected from spiritual life. And conversations about physical health there are therefore irrelevant to spiritual life. And so it's not something we talk about in church. It's my physical body. That one day this body will be dead and gone with its sin nature, so it has nothing to do with Jesus. And then what happens as a byproduct is this severe neglect of our physical bodies. No thought is given, no conviction is embraced or submitted to when it comes to how we steward our physical bodies. Of course, the pendulum swings, doesn't it? Just like everything else to the other side. And if we're not careful, we'll make too much of our physical bodies. Right? And our physical fitness and our physique become this idol that we, we chase after. And we don't feel valued or satisfied unless we look a certain way or feel a certain way. And so you find the, the idol of fitness over here on this other end of the spectrum. I was thinking about it as well. What we also find over here too, when we begin to, to grab a hold of this idol of body image, if we are those people who struggle to, to achieve that thing we're after, even though we may not be healthy, even though we're not working hard at being fit, that idol still exists. And in our unfitness, in our unhealthiness, we're still longing. We still want with everything that we have to be physically fit or to have some specific body shape and size. And today we're going to talk about is how the gospel impacts our perspective on the physical body and its connection to spiritual life and why it all matters. So some stats about American culture physical fitness real quick. 
uh, just a few. Uh, sleep deprivation. One out of every three adults in the U.S. is sleep deprived, according to studies right now. Most of this comes from CDC website. So over a third of American adults do not get enough sleep, just the bare minimum. Some of you are like, okay, I'm tracking with you now. That's me. Uh, energy drinks. This, listen to this stat. Last year, 34 billion gallons of energy drinks were consumed. 34 billion gallons. Uh, uh, when you look at obesity stats from year 2000 to 2016 or 2015, we see obesity climb in youth from 14% uh, to 19%. Okay, so roughly increased by a third over 15 years. Adults, same thing. Obesity in adults climbed from 31% to 40%, roughly a third, 33% increase over 15 years. But listen to this stat. This one is confusing. Well, if that's true, you look at U.S. health club memberships, guess what? In 2008, there were 45.6 million members of some sort of health club, whether that's 24-hour fitness or hot yoga or CrossFit box. 20, uh, there were 45.6 million members. Now, 2017, 60.9 million. Yeah, climbing by almost 50%. So we've got obesity climbing, we've got unhealthy lifestyle habits climbing, yet gym memberships are inclining as well. How does that work? I'll offer up some, uh, some more data that maybe helps you wrap your mind around this, and this is what I think is happening in our country across the board, and even within, among Christians. Um, are you aware of the new line of clothing called sports leisure, athletic leisure apparel? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is athletic apparel that is designed to look like you are being athletic or like you're about to go work out or just worked out, but it's meant for casual wear. This is a whole new genre of fashion that I was completely unaware of. Listen to this. So you've got the, the pseudo-athletic wear, the casual wear that's meant to look athletic versus real athletic gear. Listen to these stats. Athletic leisure apparel increased in sales by 17% last year to $9.6 billion, while performance apparel tumbled by 10% to $7.4 billion. Real athletic workout clothing went down by 10%. Fake athletic clothing went up by 17%. Now, apply this to shoes. Just the sale of shoes, the category of what's called running-inspired shoes. So these are shoes... Casual shoes that are meant to look like you should go running in them, but they're not meant to be ran in. Listen to this. The, sale, the sales on running-inspired shoes jumped by 39% last year. The category of casual athletic styles rose 24%, while performance gear shoes, real running shoes, dropped 7%. Now, I think there's a little insight there into what's happening when we see unhealthy lifestyles on the rise, whether it's sleep deprivation, you know, energy drinks, um, obesity, and then we've got all these health club memberships going up, right? But the problem doesn't seem to be getting better. Why? Because right now in the United States, it's trendy to be fit. It's trendy to look like health matters. 
We've got all kinds of trendy diets happening, all kinds of trendy memberships. Now you can not just you know, yoga, hot yoga, cold yoga, wet yoga, cycling, hot cycling. You can do Orange Theory, CrossFit, all these different fitness trends happening out there. Yet, we aren't becoming healthier as a society, are we? Why? Because it's just trendy to be fit. We all want to look fit. We all want people to think that we just worked out, but we're still not ready to do the hard work of being fit. Now let's go to God's word and see what God has to say to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 12. Starting in verse 12, we read these words, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now this is a common philosophy for the Apostle Paul. This is not the only place he uses these words in Scripture to explain how he as a Christian deals with matters that he refers to as disputable matters or gray areas or areas that don't have black and white. Paul says, here's what I've learned as a Christian. I'm not interested in what's lawful for me. I'm interested in what's best for me. I'm no longer asking the question, what is permissible by God? And I'm now asking the question, what should I do? Not what can I do, but what should I do? And now he's going to take that philosophy and apply it to our physical bodies. So rather than saying, well, what can I do with my physical body that won't make God mad? He's saying, that's not the right question. I should be asking, what should I do with my physical body? Verses 13 and 14. He's going to begin to apply this philosophy now to our bodies in two specific areas, food and sex. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Now the first thing we need to see when it comes to our physical body is that your physical body matters. So we take a step back and we look at just the gospel itself. Jesus, the Son of God, stepped into our world in what form? Human form. He took on a human physical body that he might know what it's like to be human fully, to understand temptation, to understand suffering, to know what a bruise feels like, to know what it feels like when your skin tears, to know the look of betrayal, to know the the saltiness of a tear rolling down your cheek. He experienced everything that it was to be human because he came in human form. Then he took that human body and laid it down on a cross as a sacrifice. Listen, a sufficient sacrifice, meaning from God's perspective, it was enough. Enough for what? Enough to pay for the sins of the world. Think about that. Jesus died for the sins of every human being, past, present, future, by laying down his physical body on a cross. It was nailed, real nails, real flesh and blood to a cross. His real human body quit living. It died. It breathed its last. He was buried in a grave like every other human body, but three days later, something was different. He resurrected from the grave. Not just in spirit, but in what? Physical form. How do we know this? He walked among the disciples. He said, guys, come touch me. Matter of fact, let's sit down and have a meal together. When was the last time you sat down and had some fish with a ghost? Right? He resurrected in physical 
form and then ascended physically back to heaven. Now, when he returns, we get these descriptions of his physical body. Jesus will come back, not as this apparition or ghost, but physically will return to gather his bride for himself. What does that have to do with you and I? Well, according to what Paul just said, it has everything to do. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Listen, Christ follower, you will be resurrected in physical form. Jesus laid down his physical body, right? For what? That you and I might have a hope that our physical body might be redeemed, might be resurrected. You are gonna have a physical body for all of eternity. Heaven is not full of ghosts. Heaven will be full of physically resurrected, untainted, redeemed, physical, worshiping bodies. You're gonna eat and drink in heaven. You may wanna skip and sing and dance and probably no burpees. Just going out on a limb there. You may wanna go for a walk with somebody in Christ walking through the garden and enjoying the new Jerusalem physically. And so we can't separate who we are from our physical bodies. Even though these current physical bodies are tainted by sin, absolutely. These cravings that we feel oftentimes are sinful cravings, yet your physical body matters. Verse 15 and 16. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one in body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. So what Paul is doing is taking a biblical principle that when a man and woman come together, whether it's husband or wife or just a man and a prostitute, there's this physical bond that happens between them. He's using that as a metaphor to describe what happens between the church and culture when we do the same. When we lie down with culture, it's what, um, what, what we call syncretism. It's where you take Christian culture and the culture that it exists within and you try to sync them up. Right? Where there are different, where there are discrepancies, right? Rather than Remaining different from culture as a Christian, when you sync your life up with culture and you let culture decide for you what's right, you're you're synchronizing yourself with culture. And Paul says that's a lot like laying down with a prostitute. You're going to become one with culture. So, let's think about how that applies. So, when it applies to our physical bodies and the way we steward our bodies, just because culture says something is okay doesn't mean it's okay. You hear me, church? Just because culture says it's okay to have an intimate relationship with anybody you want, whether they're your spouse or not, does not make it okay. That may be culture's standard, but that's not Jesus' standard. And when you make culture's standard your standard, you're synchronizing yourself with culture. You're laying down with a prostitute. As it applies to food. Right now, it's trendy to be fit, but what are we going to do when it's not trendy anymore? Just because, right, just because there is fast food on the corner doesn't mean that it's necessarily okay that I eat it. I have to ask myself, what's best? Just because culture says something is okay does not make it okay. And Paul's bringing up this 
this topic because for the Corinthian church, they were a lot like the American church. They, they indulged in the cravings of their flesh and they synchronized with the culture around them. Look at what he says in verse 17, though. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. He's using that same metaphor between a husband and wife and saying, but that's not who you are, church. You've been synchronized with Jesus. You're one with him, not just in spirit, but in body. Flee then, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Christ's follower, you are bound to Christ. You've been synchronized with him. You've been made one with him. Therefore, flee from sin in your bodies. Whatever that is, it may be sexual immorality. It may be an unhealthy lifestyle of some other form. But he's saying, listen, your bodies matter. What you do with your bodies matter. And if, if you think that there's a disconnect between your spirit and your body, Paul says, let me make it real spiritual for you. The Holy Spirit of God resides in you. Your body is a temple. It's a housing. And as a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. What you do with your body matters. But not only that, not only was your spirit bought with a price, so was your physical body. You were bought with a price. Well, how much was paid? Who bought me? Jesus did. He paid for you. He bought you. When he laid his body down on the cross, he was purchasing you for himself. And Paul says, listen, Christian, your body doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to him. His spirit lives in you. Your body is a temple. What you do with your body matters. Now, we've got to move on to the last thing he said here. Or we will tend to do the pendulum swing and make too much of our physical bodies. So what does he say here at the end to bring everything home? He says this, so, or therefore, or now, glorify God in your body. That's what you should do. Glorify God with your body. So now we've got to ask the question, what does it look like then to glorify God? How do we do that? So how is God glorified in my body? I want to break this down into two different ways we glorify God. One, first and foremost and foundationally, we have to understand that the, the primary way we glorify God is we are satisfied in him. Okay? So this is where John Piper says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Now, why is that, how does that relate? Well, here's how that relates. What Christ is over and over and over again calling you away from is this idol of finding satisfaction in anything else, including what? Your physical body. If you're looking for satisfaction, meaning, and purpose in your physical physique, that's not being satisfied in God. Now, you can say, you can hide it underneath the guise of, well, I'm just trying to be healthy, I'm just trying to be fit, I'm just trying to glorify God with my body. But if ultimately in your heart you're looking for satisfaction in the way you look 
or how fit other people think you are, you're not satisfied in God alone. Right? So this is not looking for satisfaction in your body. This is finding your satisfaction, your source of identity in Christ alone first and foremost. Now from there, we've been called as these image bearers to steward God's creation. Your body is part of God's creation. Have you thought about that? Your physical body is part of God's creation. You've been called to steward it. What does that mean? It means to manage it, to to govern it, to, to, to work it and cultivate it in a way that accomplishes God's purposes for you. That's what it means to steward. So the second point I want to bring up when it comes to how we glorify God with our bodies is this, making much of God through missional living. Making much of God through missional living. Now, how in the world does my physical health apply here? Let's just make it practical, shall we? Your first mission field is your family. Your first mission field is your family. So I want to just kind of draw back the curtains if I can and be vulnerable with you and how this struggle has played out in my life. For the vast majority of my life, I have been the person who just indulged in cravings. So I became a Christian. I was discipled in this little country Southern Baptist church. And let me tell you, little Southern Baptist church knows how to throw a potluck dinner. And nothing wrong with potlucks, right? But we're bringing out the carbs, the starches, and we're dropping gravy on everything, right? Fried stuff with cheese. Mm. Now, what I was taught, though, indirectly through my church experience, that as long as it wasn't substance abuse, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, or nicotine, everything else was on. I could indulge in anything else. That's what I was indirectly taught as a Christian. I'm telling you, I indulged. Those who know me well know this is a struggle in my life. Now, here's the deal, though. Because of my high metabolism and this stork-like frame that God blessed me with, I could hide my indulgences. I could hide my idols. And I look back now, and it's just, it's sickening what I used to do with this body. From sleep deprivation to you know, caffeine stimulation to just eating junk. I went through a season in my life. I was trying to figure out how many weeks in a row. I think it was about two and a half months. Um, I was working a night job, and I would come home late at night, and I would never think about what I was going to eat before I got home. Any of you guys do that? And then, it, then you're left with whatever's there. So for three, about two and a half months, almost three months, this is what I ate when I got home. This is not a joke. I would pull out my cast iron skillet, heat it up, throw in some butter, and I would build three ham and cheese sandwiches with mayo. I would fry them. While they were cooking, I would get the bluebell ice cream out, fill a 32-ounce cup with vanilla ice cream, milk, and chocolate syrup, make a milkshake. Three fried ham and cheese sandwiches with mayo and a chocolate milkshake every night, and I would go straight to bed. See, I was hiding it. Like nobody knew that's what my lifestyle was like. I would go through Whataburger, you know, at like midnight. And this is what I would get. No joke. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Because <laughs> well, the person never believes it's what you want. So I would pull up to the speaker and, yes, yeah, sir, hey, may I help you? And I'm like, yeah, it's 1230 a.m. I'll have a large chocolate milkshake, Whataburger style, boom, with an order of hash browns and a side of pancake syrup. All the way home, y'all, I would have that pancake syrup open in my lap with my milkshake, and I would be dipping those little fried potato things in there, those little hash browns, just eating them, drinking my milkshake, just to finish it as I pulled into the driveway and go inside and go to bed. There's just a few examples of just how indulgent I was, and it wasn't alcohol, it wasn't drugs, it wasn't sex, it wasn't nicotine, so I didn't feel any conviction. 
I was trashing myself. Well, it finally caught up to me. After both boys were born, uh, hit me when I was about 38. I began to feel my own mortality. I think it was like pre-midlife crisis was setting in. And I just began to realize how out of shape and how unhealthy I was. Even though, I mean, I was pastoring here. You didn't have any idea my lifestyle was like this. You had no idea that if I tried to jog to those doors back there, I'd probably pass out, cardiac arrest. I mean, I, could, I was laying in bed at night thinking about, man, if the house catches on fire, I'm going to have to pick which boy I like the most and carry him out. <laughs> Because I, I can't carry on both, and I'm going to be so out of breath after the first one. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to have to make a hard decision here. I started thinking, what if somebody breaks in in the middle of the night, and I start wrestling and tussling with this person? Am I going to be able to physically protect my family? And then I began to think about missional living inside my home. I began to think about, hey, do I want to be able to be active in my boys' lives in not just the next five years, but the next 20, 30 years? My boys play sports. Am, am I going to be able to at least help kind of coach their teams? Am I going to be physically fit to do that? Or am I just going to continue indulging myself in these cravings, seeking my comfort in food? And, man, God broke me of that. My wife had already been under that conviction. She had already started getting fit and eating healthy before that happened in my life. So I looked at her example. And so I went to a gym where she was working out. I'll never forget the first workout. I, was, I made it maybe, maybe eight minutes in. Before they called it, they're like, hey, you, you're done. You're about to pass out, white face. I was just, yeah. But here's the thing I found. The more I stayed at it, the more I was willing to make myself uncomfortable and work hard at, at being fit, the better I felt. And guess what happened to the pendulum? It swung all the way over here. And there was a time period in my life in the last three years where fitness had become an idol to me. I felt so good. I was so glad I wasn't that old person anymore that, that I forgot to stop in the middle, right? And so, and here's how I know that. If you know me well, you know um, a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago, I injured my shoulder. And my, my workout ceased for about six months. I went through a mild depression, y'all. And I had to check my heart. What am I so upset about? Because I can still eat healthy, I can still go on walks with my family. I can still engage in missional living with my boys. And I realized that the pendulum had swung and it was time for it to, to swing back. You see, we glorify God by showing our satisfaction is in him and him alone. And second to that, we steward the resources he blesses with, including our bodies, for missional living that we would accomplish his purposes. You've been called to live the mission in your children's lives, parents. Now, we can't hold up a standard of physical physique and say you're healthy if you look like this. Because I've seen people who are healthy, they eat healthy, they work out appropriately, yet maybe have a larger body shape. And I've seen people who trash themselves, right, just trash themselves, physically speaking, and they look fit. So this is not about conforming to some physical appearance. This is about finding your satisfaction in Jesus and him alone and stewarding your body in a way that, that serves his mission. You know, you've also been called to live the mission in your neighborhood, this is a great way to combine fitness. Go for a walk in your neighborhood. And while you're walking, pray for your neighbors. You see people outside, engage them in conversation. Stop and talk with them. Don't let your physical fitness be right, so important to you that you don't stop, but stop and fellowship with them, get to know them, build relationships with them. If you go to the gym, like live the mission there. Look for opportunities to share the gospel with the lost, or if you're working out with other believers, encourage one another in the Lord, and let that be part of the mission that you're living. See, we can't let the pendulum swing all the way back where fitness begins to, as Paul said, dominate us. What did he say? 
All things are lawful, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now, this is not a sermon about how to be fit. I'm not going to give you diet plans and fitness plans and all that kind of stuff because really this is about you stewarding your body. Okay? Some of you have got physical impairments and maybe even disabilities and you're not able to go run or join a CrossFit box or do all those things. It's stewarding what you have to the best of your ability. I can remember my grandfather in the last few years before he passed away, he, was, he got to where he couldn't walk because of the neuropathy in his feet. It was so painful. And so we had to find creative ways for him to exercise. He can no longer go on walks to their neighborhood, and we went to the exercise bike, then we went to swimming in the pool at the Y, and just anything to kind of help him stay active and physically fit and watch his diet and, and, and right, never give up on that until the day Jesus says, all right, you're done, come with me. I think that my own sinful indulgences, just in my own, my own struggle with health, it, it impacted even a, a significant struggle of depression in my life when I was 20, 21, 22 years old, when I look back at what I was trashing my body with. It's a significant variable in the equation. Three things. One, this is about sustainable lifestyle, not trendy fitness. Going on a 30-day binge of some sort is not going to fix this in you. Hear me on this. Just going out and buying the athletic apparel, I know it's comfy, it's not going to make you any healthier. Sustainable lifestyle. What does that look like for you? I don't know. I encourage you to think about this. What are the things you crave? Just consider doing some fast from the things you crave. Maybe it's sugar. I have to fast from sugar on a regular basis. <laughs> Those of you who know me, you know it, right? I love a good dessert. I have to be cautious. I have to choose wisely. Maybe, maybe for you it's getting more sleep. Maybe for you it's a 20-minute walk a few days a week. You know, maybe for you it's something else. But here's the point. You and I, are, we've been given these bodies to steward them for the glory of God and his mission. Two questions. Have you allowed your comfort to become an idol? If so, there's a good chance you're not physically healthy or not as physically healthy as you could be. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable if you're going to be healthy. Right? Eating healthy is not always comfortable. Matter of fact, especially when you start it, you go through some withdrawals for some of you. I mean, just going out and walking 20 minutes a day or a few days a week, like that's going to hurt at first. It's going to be uncomfortable. You've got to be willing to lay down that aisle of comfort to steward your body well. Second to that is this. Have you allowed your personal health or your fitness to become an idol? Are you on either ends of that extreme? Because in either case, you're not bringing glory to God with your body. So I want to land here. What do you do once God points out an idol in your life? First and foremost, we bring that before God. We acknowledge, God, I've been worshiping this thing instead of you. So if that's you today and God has brought to mind something you're struggling with in the form of an idol, maybe it's your comfort, maybe it's your physical physique or your health, your fitness, your stats at the CrossFit box, whatever it is, maybe today will be the day, you know what, God, I, I don't want to become unfit. I just don't want this to be an idol dominating my life anymore. Maybe for you it's just acknowledging that before God. God, I've worshipped something else above and before you. Maybe you realize it's your comfort. Secondly, this is what's so important, I encourage you to press into your church family. Share it with somebody. Share it with a brother and sister in Christ. God really is convicting me of and tell them that they might walk in encouragement and accountability with you as you seek to steward your body well. 
If you're here today and you have not come to that place where you have believed the gospel and trusted in Jesus alone, none of this is going to matter or make sense to you. So I want to say something. If you're here today and you have not trusted in Christ and him alone, I don't know what your hesitations are. I don't know what your doubts are. I don't know what your fears are. But what I'm telling you is this, that the son of God at just the right time, he stepped into our world. He walked in the flesh. He had a physical human body. He suffered and died for you. He rose from the dead for you, for me. He ascended back to heaven. And he has told us this, that if we will trust in him, we will have forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and redemption. How do I get that? By trusting in Christ and him alone. If that's you, listen, there's no more important decision that you could make today. This has nothing to do with the people with you, nothing to do with what your grandma believed about God. This has nothing to do with what your coworkers believe about God. What do you believe right now? Listen, I'm gonna encourage you, grab one of our prayer partners today and let them pray with you about making a decision to trust in Christ that he might begin this redemptive work in you. All right, I'm gonna invite our worship team up and prayer partners are gonna be at the front. If you want one of our prayer partners to pray with you, if you'll come grab one of them and just let them know what's going on. There'll be some prayer partners in the back. Um, Our prayer and counseling rooms will be open over here on the side as well. If you just wanna slip away and talk with somebody in private or just get quiet, you can do that. If you wanna stand and sing, We'll do that as well. Let's pray to God. Father, we thank you for uh, this powerful reminder this morning from your word that God, Jesus has died to save us and that includes our physical bodies. Um, Father, we confess that we have made either too much or too little of our physical bodies. God, thank you this morning for showing us, for reminding us that what we do with our bodies matters. God, I pray across this room as you speak, as you move, as you convict, that we would be prepared to respond. God, to make much of you with our entire lives, our hearts, our minds, our souls, and even our physical bodies. Holy Spirit, will you move through this room? We pray this in Jesus' name.